Hello, everyone. Good morning, and thank you. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. I was sitting back there. I was watching you sing and listening and singing myself. And, and I was watching some people come in, and I was thinking, what a privilege. What a privilege that, that you've taken of your time this particular day to come here to church. And I hope and pray that we will never, ever take it for granted and that you will never feel as though we take it for granted that you're here. We absolutely love you. We thank God for every single soul that is here. And we are honored that you have come to worship with us. It is really a, a, it's an amazing blessing. Uh, and, and I promise you, I will never, ever take it for granted that we gather together on these days and we worship the Lord together. You have, um, you have given me more than any man deserves in his life. You know, I want to tell you, you know, so that when you bury me, you want to know. I'm, I, I'm the happiest guy on the face of this earth. Being a part of this church with you is the most wonderful privilege that God could ever give a person. And I, I love you, and I'm honored to be here today. This is, this is really special. Maybe it's just really very, very special to me. You know, there's a couple of things that I want to tell us about. Number one, our fourth, fifth, and sixth graders are at their very first winter camp. And I've asked Alma... Actually, the staff has asked Alma Townsend to come. If you don't know her, you ought to get to know her. This is... Every time I've been over there, I've got to get you right kind of in the middle. Every, you all get to know... You ought to under, know her. Let me... I'll come down in a minute. But I want, I want these people to see you. That's my motive for that. And um, Alma is... Um, is now she, I get embarrassed at every service. It's the truth. She is God's gift to this church. And... And we know that, that it, it's, it's him, and we know all of that. But, but her countenance, her, her, her presence among us on staff, everyone loves her. It's just a, she's easy to love. And she does, is a tireless worker. She serves the Lord so faithfully. We thought what we would have, you do, have her do is come and, and pray for our young people who are at camp for the first time. Alma has a ministry that is a full, full church in and of itself. Every single weekend, she has over 150 to 175, maybe close to 200 children that come and that, that's under her care. On top of that, she has to gather together about 90 or more servants to help serve in that ministry. You need people there to help with these children, to care for them. And, and, and so her job is, is a constant trying to find people that'll come and help serve in that ministry. It's a, it's, a, it's a fabulous ministry. If you're called to it, you already know how wonderful it is. She will probably call you in the midst of her prayer. She'll probably do a commercial, you know, because <laughs> she's always looking for someone to help. And, and she has to. She, it's just it's amazing how many young people that we have to care for. And thank you for that. That's a, another blessing here at this church. And so our young people are at a camp, and... Um, they're okay, and we want to pray that they'll come home safely and have a great time there. So would you uh, join us with Alma as she prays for us? Please. I'll take you once a month, every other month, <laughs> or quarterly. doesn't matter. So it's, it's, there's always a commercial. We need you. We really need you. We have a lot of babies. Uh, you want me to wear one of those sandwich board things, don't you? <laughs> yeah. Get the finger going. <laughs> Heavenly Father, we come before you and ask you to Bless the children as they are at winter camp as well as the counselors. And we just, our biggest prayer is that the children come to know you as their Lord and Savior and that they come back hungry for your word. Please be with them as they travel back and just keep them safe and um, just let them have a wonderful time and get them to grow in you, your Lord. We leave you in Jesus' name. Amen. I love you so much. So much. You notice, every service, no prompting, she prays that they come to know the Lord. And then she prays that they will, be, they will grow in their, their walk with Christ. And they will grow in their love of the Word. This church, honestly, we can be so happy and proud of what God is doing through this church. Because from the youngest person to those of us who are older, we are all being taught the, the wonders of God's word. 
and how that will minister to our lives. And so it's, um, it is really a privilege to be a part of a, of a church that's not here to entertain. Uh, we're not here to do the things that, uh, that uh, sometimes can be confusing within our lives. We're here to introduce you and me to the Word of God so that we might understand what the Word of God has to say to our hearts so it can minister to us. Um, you know, just, just a sidebar, uh, the message I'm doing today is to finish up on prayer. I cannot tell you how amazed I am at the end of, of each service. Someone will come up, one, two, three, four, five people, and tell me how the Lord ministered to their hearts. They'll want to, don't you do this. They'll want to say, boy, you, you did, I did okay, you know. Don't get caught into that little trap. It is the Lord God who is touching your heart if He is touching your heart now. It is He who is ministering to your very soul. And I am amazed because the number of people that come up, how infrequently it's, they come up for the same thing. It's like God is dealing in our lives where we are when we allow Him the right to minister to us. And just, for, just for you to, 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 to know maybe... Um, when I pray before I come up here, I always pray that God would just empty me completely of myself, just totally get me out of there, and that he would speak to each of our hearts as he so desires. Let's face it, for every person here, there's probably a different reason that we're here this morning. Whatever the reason is, there's different reasons for some of us to be here. And only God could fulfill that in your heart. Only God can speak to you this morning. And that is our desire, that, that, that we don't try and get fancy up here, that we can overwhelm you by a message that will really rock your, your soul, so to speak. Basically, what we want to do is to see if God can't move and come here. Like this morning, I was praying over and over again, Father, let us just brush up against the hem of your garment this morning. Come here, fill this place with your presence and, and allow us, Father, the privilege of knowing and seeing and, and hearing from you. And, and that's the desire of this church. Whether you're a youngster here or, or someone who is older, we have the same purpose in mind. I want to make a, a reminder. Would you turn with me, please, to Matthew chapter 6, but also would you just um, uh, find Psalms 1. Psalms 1 I'm going to do is just a throw in it. I did it last night, thought about it while we were singing and and praise in the Lord, and uh, I, th- I thought it fit in a little bit, and, and so I'll do the same thing this service. Let's see if it fits in. Normally, I don't try to to uh, coerce or, or move God in any direction. I try to sense the Spirit of God, but uh, I do try to make every service as similar as I can to the next, so that you can feel free that if you come on Saturday, you'll hear the same thing you you heard at 10 o'clock on Sunday, or vice versa. What I want to say is this. This coming Friday, Friday the 18th, we're having what we call here at our church Third Fridays. It has been one of the highlights of our church. I would love, if the Lord so saw fit, that it would be one of the things that really is special in our congregation, that we would overflow this room, that we'd overflow this room and have to go into, spill over to another room or whatever, I would just love if everyone came to Third Friday. If you didn't come to any Third Friday, I would hope and pray that you would come to this one on Friday the 18th. The reason being is we're going to do an Acts 2 series concerning praise and worship. It's it's an opportunity to, to hear what the life of worship and praise really is is about and why it's so important in our lives. We are going to study it in a few weeks to come, but we want to take a look at it this Friday. Pastor Fred, who has a real passion for worship and praise, is going to be one of the speakers. I will speak, but we are also going to have, which is, I think the reason for coming, is a video. It's a video by the man's name is Louis Giglio, and I had the privilege, along with my wife and some of the staff, to to drive up to Santa, Santa Barbara, um, a few, a couple months ago, I guess now, I don't know, time goes so quickly. And it was so worth the drive. It was so worth the time. 
this gentleman, along with another guy who led music and, and praise, we were in this outdoor arena. It, was, it would be my dream for where I would love a church. It was outdoors, the stars above. It was an evening time, trees around. It was a beautiful setting for a church, except if it rains. If it rains I understand, or if it gets real cold. But, but still, it was a beautiful setting. And in this video that we're going to show, this, this fellow, uh, I always forget his name, Louis Giglio, is going to show and present to us the, the vastness, the, the, the amazing size of this universe and, and how insignificantly small we are compared to everything. And it will literally blow you away. It will give you a perspective on the greatness of our God like like few things that you'll ever see. You just won't want to miss it. It's, it's hard to put into words, and it's, 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 it's amazing what this gentleman will bring forth for us to examine as we consider worshiping and praising our Lord. Also, that evening will be the 180 uh, praise band, as, long as, as well as some of our own praise band group members and singers, and we will worship the Lord in song, we will worship the Lord in music, and we will have a great, great time. I cannot encourage you enough to come this coming Friday the 18th. It's, uh, uh, the information is in your bulletin, and, uh, and in the foyer you can go out there and sign up. And please, please come. I, I just know that you will be blessed. Um, some have asked me, um, John, how do we pray? How do we? You're kind of uh, talking about praying in a, in a different way. Um, I'm not sure that I comprehend it. See, Jesus Christ is, as we're seeing now, and now I'm back, now I'm in the message. <laughs> in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus Christ told the disciples, pray then in this way. And, and then he starts in chapter 6 of, of Matthew, starting with verse 9 to verse 13 and forward, he explains. Now, what he gave there is a pattern for prayer. He didn't give us a prayer that was to repeat, be repeated over and over again because he's already said in verses 1 through 8, don't just repetitiously go to God and think that by your many words and saying it over and over again that you're going to please him. Basically, what he wants to get from us, what God wants from us, is our hearts, the humility of who we are before Him. That's why this video and this evening you're going to have on, on Third Friday is going to be critical to our lives as, as believers. It's going to put things in perspective of why we worship as we do and, and how and why we love this God that we do. Now, if you would, hold your place in Matthew 6, but, but look at Psalms chapter 1. A long time ago when I was um, newlywed, in, in Eugene, Oregon, um, I, I met this wonderful family. Um, uh, the people uh, with Robert's family, three sons and a daughter. Um, their boys were very athletic. One of them was the number one draft pick uh, in baseball one year and did real well in the big leagues and, and, and on and on. But he challenged me one day, uh, Dave did, uh, to, to put to memory Psalms 1. Uh, he was always challenging me to, to, to consider the Bible. He was a younger guy uh, than me, and, but he had been a Christian since he was just a little boy. He was born in a wonderful family, his mom and dad. In fact, I just, just got a, an email from his mother. His dad passed away a while ago, but I just got an email from, from Betty. and We, we just remained, we became great friends and remained such. And, and I've always had a, a kind of a, a love for the first song. Um, and so when I pray, there'll be times where I'll go to a place in Scripture and I will just simply pray back to God His words. I find that that's the easiest way for me to honor our Lord, the easiest way for me to pray, and, and, it, and it gives me, always touches me where I'm at. Like, for instance, if I were to pray this prayer, if I were kind of alone in my room, I would just simply say this. I would read, How blessed is the person. Now, I'm going to change some of the words. So, I'm going to reread. I'm going to read it in such a way that it'll, it'll, it'll minister to all of us. The psalmist writes, How blessed is the person who, who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit at the seat of scoffers. And I would think about that. I heard a message once that talked about when this is a progression here. It's like someone who is 
who's hanging around with people that are kind of not such nice people, and they're kind of just, uh, you know, kind of on the, the fringe, on the edge, walking around, just walking around uh, the, 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 the council of the wicked. And all of a sudden, you find someone that will stop walking, and they'll kind of stand. They'll stand in the path of sinners. They'll just kind of stand there and see what's going on. And eventually... They end up sitting down with them. And so basically, I would just simply say to the Lord, Father, I want to be a blessed man. I want to be a man that blesses you. I don't want to walk in the counsel of the wicked. I don't want to stand in the path of sinners, nor do I want to sit with scoffers. Father, would you protect me from that? And if there's something that's going on in my life at that particular time that's personal to me and the Lord, I would say, Father, you know what I'm wrestling through. You know what I'm struggling through. Help me not to be a person that walks and stands and sits in you know, places where I ought not to be. It goes on to say in verse 2, but, but this person's delight is in the law of the Lord, in his law. He meditates day and night. And I'd say to the Father, Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that I can, I can concentrate and, and study and know your word and I can find my delight in who you are, hearing you speak to me. And I can think about it, meditate upon it. I can, I can have you as, as close to me as my breathing right now, day and night. It says in verse 3, and that person will be like a tree that is firmly planted by streams of water. It will yield its fruit in its season. Its leaf will not wither. And whatever they do, they'll prosper. And I'll probably pray, Lord, help me. Help me to be like that tree. Help me to be a man that is firmly planted in what I want to be as a Christian man. Let not the things that I do waste away, but Father, let it be like a, a, a leaf that, that, and fruit that will bear itself in its season, will do well. And, and Father, may I prosper. I would probably pray at that time, not for me, Lord, but may what I do prosper whatever it is that you want to do in and through my life. May my prosperity find itself in you. And then it goes on to say other things in that. But that's the way I would pray to the Lord. It would be a simple simple way of just going to him and praying with him. And you will be shocked for a couple of reasons. Number one, you'll be shocked how long it takes. You'll, you'll think you spent a couple of minutes and if you, if, you, if you chart yourself, it'll be maybe longer. It could be many minutes. And you'll also be amazed at how during the day you'll memorize those things that you just read. Those words will come back to you. And it'll be like a way of understanding the Word of God. And so I would encourage you to do that. Turn back with me, please, now. Let's, let's take a look at Matthew chapter 6, but let's pray first. Our most heavenly Father, you enable us to call you our Father. Daddy, Father, you even allow us that privilege. We've come here, Father, to, to exalt your holy and righteous name. We've come here, Father, to praise you. We've come here, Father, as a group of people who collectively wish to say that you are our God and we are honored to be your children. And so would you, Father, bless. Bless the things that we do. Allow your will to be done in and through our lives. Lord, would you take the rest of this time, these remaining minutes, and would you, Father, Present yourselves to us. Move me aside, please, Father. Let us sense the presence of the very Spirit of God in each of our hearts and our lives. And Father, as I've said to these people already, thank you for them coming. Thank you for them taking the time of their day to come here, to park, to find their way into this place and to sit down and to study your word with us. We are privileged, Father. We are a privileged church. And we are a privileged group of people. We thank you from the bottom of our hearts for your kindness. In Jesus' precious name, amen.
stated last week, I stated the week before, that Jesus Christ presented to the disciples a pattern for prayer. He let us know already that it isn't, if you look back at chapter 6 and you look at, uh, at verse 7, he says, when you're praying, don't use meaningless repetition. He already let us know that we're not to say this prayer over and over and over again. Rather, what he wants is, is that we can find a way to please him. And how we can please him in a word is humility. Humility. Look, look at verse 1 of chapter 6. Jesus says to the people, beware. Whenever you see that, you should really look closely. Beware of what? Well, beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Otherwise, you will have no reward with your Father who is in heaven. And so our Lord has set the stage. He is saying to you and me, when we come to him, and in chapter 6 of Matthew, there are three different things that he is speaking about. He's speaking about giving, he's speaking about praying, and he's speaking about fasting. They fit hand in glove with one another. Giving, fasting, and praying ought to be a part of our lives. And so when we do that, our Lord says we are to come to him not seeking recognition from other people. We're to do it in a humble fashion so as to honor our Lord. He has given you and me one of the greatest privileges that the world could ever offer any of us. He has given you and me the ability to hear his voice. We hear his voice by reading his word. You should never take it for granted that your Lord, your God, our Father who is in heaven wants to speak to you. And so daily you should take a look at this. And, 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 and if, you, if, it, if it sets well with you to go to him in prayer by reading his word back to him and then saying what that place in scripture means to you or what it hopes to mean to you. He speaks to you. The second greatest privilege he has given us is what we are studying right now, and that is prayer. He has enabled you and me as human beings, sinful human beings, to go to him anytime we want to and speak to him on any subject we want, and we know that he hears us. Now, how he's going to answer, well, Scripture tells us that sometimes he will tell us no, and sometimes he will tell us wait, and other times he will say yes. But we have the privilege of going to God, being continually devoted to Him, and praying without ceasing. In other words, speaking to Him whenever it is a part of our lives to do so. All day long. All day long. And of all things, we get to go to God as our Father. That's what Jesus taught. When you go, He says, say in this way, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Our Father, the word Father there, as we said last week, is Abba, Father. It means Daddy. We get to go to this one who has created this great universe, and, and Friday night you're going to see, when you come, you're going to see how vast and how great this universe is, and we get to the go to the one who created it all and say, Hey, Daddy. Hi, Daddy. Thank you, Daddy. I want you to note in this pattern of prayer how Jesus Christ demonstrates to us what our relationship with God ought to look like. By calling God our Father, He shows us that God is not our Father alone, but He is the Father of every single person who has ever believed in Him. He is not my Father. He's not simply your father. He is collectively our father. I, I, I know that God expected us to gather together as a group of people. He, he tells us in Scripture in the book of Hebrews, don't neglect your gathering together. And so when we gather together, we are a group of people who have our father who is in heaven and hallowed is to be his name. And so note how appropriate that the first petition that we are to bring before the Lord when we go to Him in prayer is to focus in on that He is God and we are to focus in on His name. He is called our 
Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name, it says. The psalmist writes in Psalms 27, verse 20, or chapter 20, verse 7, you don't need to turn there, talks about some will boast in their chariots and others will boast in their horses. In other words, they boast in the things that they've accumulated, maybe power, maybe authority, something. That's what basically chariots and horses represented. Some boast in their chariots and others boast in their horses. But it goes on to say, but we will boast in the name of the Lord our God. That's our boast. The fundamental truth in your life and my life is that we know God by name. And he knows us in return. And so, the fundamental duty of prayer is to put ourselves and all of our needs aside and to first give the Lord God his proper place, to boast in his name that we know him and the fact that we know him, that he wishes to care for us. Because, remember, in the first part of this chapter, look again at verse 8. Jesus Christ said in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 8, don't be like them. In other words, don't be like the people who use just meaningless repetition and think they're going to come to God and impress Him by their many words. He says, don't do that. He says, because your Father, He says, knows what you need before you ask of Him. He already knows what you and I need. There's no need for us to go to Him and say, Lord, this is... Do you know what just happened? Did you, did you see what just happened to me? He already knows. As a matter of fact, it's a, just a real precious place in the Word of God here in the 6th chapter. Look with me in, in chapter 6 and look at verse 25 to the end of the chapter. It's, it's incredible. It is an incredible place in God's Word. Jesus says, For this reason I say to you, don't be anxious for your life. As for what you'll eat, what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you should put on. Is not life more than food and the body than clothing? Then he gives us an example. He says in verse 26, Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow. They don't reap. They don't gather into barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. And Jesus asks, Are you not worth much more than they? The answer, of course, is yes, we are. He says in verse 27, Which one of you, by being anxious, can add a single cubit to his lifespan. Why are you anxious about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They don't toil, nor do they spin. Yet, he says in verse 29, I say to you that even Solomon, in all of his glory, did not clothe himself like one of these. Jesus goes on to say in verse 30, If, if God so arrays the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow will be thrown into the furnace, Will he not much more do so for you, O men of little faith? Don't be anxious then, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What should, what should, how shall we clothe ourselves? He says in verse 32, All of these things the Gentiles eagerly seek. Your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. He already knows this. And so our going to him in prayer is not to tell him all the things that we need. He already knows what we need. We're to go to Him and honor His holy and righteous name. And then in verse 33 of Matthew chapter 6 is perhaps one of the great verses in all of Scripture. Jesus says, seek first. Seek first His kingdom. Seek first His righteousness. And all of these things, He says, they shall be added unto you. And then in verse 34 is one of the one of those verses that never ceases to make me smile. Ever, never. Verse 34, Therefore, Jesus says, Don't be anxious for tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Is that not an amen? I'm telling you, that's an amen. I mean, really, Lord, that's right on. Don't worry about tomorrow. You've got enough trouble trying to deal with today. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And so the Lord says to you and me, Look, I already know what you need. I know this. Seek first my kingdom. Seek first my righteousness. 
I'll add these things to you. Worry about today if you're going to worry. It has enough trouble of its own. Care for today. I just love that place in Scripture. Now, back in chapter 6, to the next request that ought to be made by us to our God as long as we draw breath. And that is, in verse 10, that His kingdom would come, that His will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. The Greek word for kingdom there is basilia, I think it is, B-A-S-I-L-E-I-A. It does not refer to uh, a a landmass. It does not refer to a geographical territory. No, it, it, it refers to sovereignty. It refers to dominion, authority, rule. When we talk about the kingdom of God, we are talking about His rule. We're not talking about a place in this time. Therefore, when you and I pray, His kingdom come, we're praying for God to rule on this earth and it to begin individually through us. We are asking for our Lord to come and when He comes one day, He will assume His rightful place as ruler over the earth as it is in heaven. But in the meantime, we are His ambassadors here on earth His kingdom come, His will be done on earth. That means through us as we are here on this earth. Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9 tells us about this rule, this kingdom that Jesus Christ will one day have. Isaiah chapter 9 is, uh, most of you probably saw it just recently because a lot of Christmas cards use this particular verse to, uh, to send out a greeting of Merry Christmas. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 and 7 says, For a child will be born to us, a son will be given. The government will rest on his shoulders. In other words, all of the authority is on his shoulders. Government will rest upon him. And his name, very critical, the name, blessed be the name of our Lord. His name will be called Wonderful Counselor. His name will be called Mighty God. His name shall be Eternal Father. His name is Prince of Peace. And verse 7 says, there will be no end to the increase of his government or of his peace on the throne of David over his kingdom. Your kingdom Come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Back to Matthew chapter uh, 6 and and, and verse uh, 9 and 10. When it says your kingdom come, the word come translates E-R-C-H-O-M-A-I in the Greek. It indicates a sudden coming, just a a coming to this earth. Turn with me, please, in Matthew to, to the 24th chapter just for a moment. Let me give you a visual picture, if I may, of, of this. When I told you the story before about lightning that, 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 that comes down, I, I told you I was in Kansas. It was, it was indescribably beautiful while I was there. What really was special about Kansas to me was the people. They were the nicest people. Uh, Kay and I went to a breakfast in a little diner. We were just in a little, a little community. We were way, way off in the sticks and we were just in this little place and went to this diner and it, I guess most of the people went there. And before we were, before we do it, the people that were sitting beside us said, well, "You folks new here?" Yes. What do you do? They told them what we did. They knew what we did. They knew we had kids. We, they knew everything about us. They were the sweetest people. We knew their family. When people came in the restaurant, and said, "Hey Jim, Pat, look here's John and Kay. Say hello to them." We met everybody. We met everybody in that little diner. It was so much fun. They were just the nicest people. That evening, when I was going off to my speaking engagement, it, it was in, it was in early in the evening, and it was still daylight. And as I was driving, I think I told you this, there was like a bank of cloud behind me that was pure white. It was like unbelievable. And I thought it was just... I, I, I didn't know what I was seeing in my rearview mirror, so I pulled over to the side of the road. It was just a two-lane highway. 
And I pulled over the site and I looked back and I saw a site like I had never seen ever before. It was this huge bank of white cloud, just as, as white as white could be. And the sun was starting to set and it was shining through the clouds and like rays of lights were coming through it. It looked like to me, I don't want to get over spiritual with you guys, but it looked to me like it was the entrance into the, the gates of heaven itself. It was so overwhelmingly beautiful. When I got finally to my speaking engagement, I asked the people there when I speak, did you guys note the cloud? And they laughed, laughed like, yeah, we see that all the time. I said, do you take that for granted? I said, that was the most beautiful sight I'd ever seen. Said, yeah, okay. What a hick they were thinking I am. I know, I know they were thinking that. After I got through speaking, on the way home, the cloud that would have, I would have begun right, I would have been going right towards now on this highway, on this road, is now a, 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 a big thunderstorm off to the right. And I'm telling you, I've never ever seen anything like that as well. Lightning was coming down from the sky, bolts coming, I mean down, I mean straight down in it. And I rolled down the window so I could hear, and you could hear it just, it would, I, I felt like it was rumbling the car. I felt like it was moving in, I felt like it was inside of me. It was so overwhelmingly powerful. And sometimes lightning would go about halfway down and it would shoot right straight across the sky. And you could hear it go, shoot. And it was like amazing. And I sat there and I thought to myself, wow. In one afternoon, I saw what I considered to be the majesty of my, of my God. And then a few hours later, I saw the wrath of my God. How overwhelmingly powerful he is. And so when we pray, thy or your kingdom come, it's a sudden coming. It's like Matthew 24, verse 27. It is explained, For just as the lightning comes from the east and flashes even to the west, so will the coming of the Son of Man be. We won't have to wonder when Jesus Christ comes. We'll see it like this lightning in the sky. And it was really interesting to me. I thought of this verse. It was interesting to me how sometimes the lightning wouldn't come straight down to the earth. It would go about that far and it would shoot off one way or the other. It was just awesome to watch. And it made me think of this place in Scripture. And so his kingdom is to come. It will be a sudden coming like lightning comes across the sky. You see, it is Jesus Christ, the one who fulfills the promise of the coming King. He is the Messiah. He is the Anointed One. He, Jesus Christ, is the hope of Israel, the church, and this world in which we live. And so I said to you just a moment ago that the, the Greek word for kingdom doesn't refer to a territory. It refers to an authority, a rule. And when we pray, Your kingdom come, we are praying that it will come and, and work itself in and through our lives. Consequently, as a church and as a body of believers and as a person, individual person, we have but one mission in this world. Jesus Christ says that he will not tarry of his coming. He will come, but he puts it off so that all might come to repentance our mission in this world in which we live is to serve the Lord our God with our lives. That His will would be done on earth through us as it is in heaven. And His will is that we lead people destined to spend an eternity in hell to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ His Son. We are to give them an opportunity of spending an eternity with Him in His kingdom, His rule, that is to come to this earth just as it is one day to be in heaven. The other day I, I was, I was uh, waiting for a friend and, and I was talking to uh, uh, someone and, and invited them to church. And uh, it's kind of my nature... Uh, I try to meet people where I go and and eat or 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 go shop or things like that, and I usually ask them if I have any time with them at all. And for this time, I had a I had quite a quite a few quite a long time with this person, 
and got to know her. Her name was Amanda. Just really nice. And um, I asked her if she churched anywhere. And uh, asked her to come to church. And it was said, oh, she probably won't come to church. And, and my thought on that was, that's not my job. My job isn't to get Amanda to church. My job is to offer her an opportunity to come to church. My job on this earth, my ministry, my mission is to affect people for the cause of Christ. What happens, that's God's business. My business is to go about my Lord's work. Listen, whether a person lives in a communistic country or in a democracy, whether a person lives under a tyrant or someone who's a wonderful leader, if this person never comes to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, regardless of how difficult their upbringing is, regardless of how wonderful their upbringing is, without Jesus Christ, they will still spend an eternity in hell. You and I, our mission in life, our prayer in life is to have the will of the Father be done here on earth through us as it is in heaven. In 1 John chapter 5, verses 11, 12, and 13 are three of my favorite verses in all of Scripture. Without Christ, nothing happens. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and, and nobody comes to the Father, what? But through me. In 1 John chapter 5, verse 11, 12, and 13, it says the testimony is this, verse 11, that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son, Jesus Christ. And that's, that's close to correct, isn't it? Let me see. The testimony is this, God has given us life, and this life is in his Son. The Lord makes it very simple for us to know where life is. It's in his Son. He goes on to say in the 12th verse, and he or she who has the Son of God has life. And he or she who has not the Son of God, what? Has not life. Very simple. It's very simple to know whether you are a believer. You can call it believer, or whether you have eternal life or not. It always hurts my heart so desperately deep when you talk to someone, you say, are you a Christian? And they say, boy, I, I hope so. I really I want to be. I'm trying. And, and I related to this. For those of us who are married, and, and, and yesterday when I did the service, my wife was sitting right over there. I, I can't imagine someone coming to me saying, John, are, are you married? And I, I hope so. <laughs> I'm trying. If Kay ever heard that, she'd grab me by the neck and say, you better tell him you're married. You're married, Buster. <laughs> I don't have to wonder. On September the 14th, 1973, I asked Kay to be my wife. And I became a married man. One of the greatest privileges I've ever had in my life. It, I just was, I was fortunate. Married someone that I, I like. And, and, and amazingly, she likes me. <laughs> you know, there are days as a husband, I'm not all that I want, I should be. I mean, if, if Kay were here today, she'd tell you, he's not always a great husband. I'll guarantee you that. You know, some of you like him a lot, but you don't have to live with him. I'm not always the husband I ought to be, but I'm always her husband. On March the 12th, 1973, I asked Jesus Christ to come into my heart and to forgive me of my sin and to make me the kind of person that he wanted me to be. And I don't have to say I hope I'm a Christian. I know I am. Now, there's days I'll grant you that I don't live like I ought to live and I'm not really the Christian man that I ought to be. And I'm sure if the Lord came here, he would tell you, he's not lying. He's not all that I want him to be, but by God, my son died for him. He is a believer. I don't have to hope. You don't either. 
if there's one thing I would like to accomplish in your life this particular year or month, really, is to convince you that you don't ever have to worry about that again. He goes on to write in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God in order that you might know that you have, right now, know that you have eternal life. I want you to be that type of person. I want to take that threat away from you. I don't want Satan ever to try to deceive you again into thinking, I said, hope I'm a believer. No, you are. Now you need to act like it. God's kingdom is something that you and I are to, are to take as a very important mission in our life. So, back to Matthew chapter 6, and let's close this up. Our prayers are first and foremost to honor His name and then to fulfill His will. And that is, a, that is a big toll. That is a responsibility that you and I are to live our lives as people who say, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth. That means through me, through my life. May your will be done in and through my life here on earth as it is in heaven. Once we fulfill verses 9 and 10 of Matthew chapter 6, once we honor our Lord's name and, 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 and exalt Him for who He is and center our thoughts on Him, not on our own needs, then the Lord says, now you can come and ask for your needs. Verse 11, give us this day our daily bread. Verse 12, forgive us our debts as We've forgiven our debtors. Verse 13, and don't lead us into temptation. Deliver us from evil. Those are the things that we are to pray for. Give us this day, this, our needs today, not just necessarily our bread, but what it is that we need today to fulfill our lives, to do your will. And lead us not into temptation. No, excuse me, but forgive us our, our debts as we would forgive others. Not letting sin linger in our hearts so that we can walk with Him with a, a purity of our hearts and our righteousness because of the forgiveness that we've received because of Jesus Christ and His death on the cross. And then, Father, don't lead us into temptation. Deliver us, Father, from evil. Once we ask for those necessities of our lives, then we end right where we began in verse 13, by letting God know that we recognize and realize to whom belongs the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen, Amen means so be it. In essence, this life that you and I live is not all about us. This life that you and I have been given as believers is all about our Father, Daddy, who is in heaven. Hallowed be His name. May His kingdom come. May His will be done here on earth through me as it is in heaven. Now I want you to, if you would, when we close right now, would you open up, would you find your bulletin, please? In your bulletin, I wanna, we want to ask you as a staff here at this church to do something for us as a favor. For us, as well as for yourself. Ever see the, the movie uh, Lonesome Dove? I love that movie. <laughs> when when one, of the, one of the rangers was dying, he says to his friend who finally comes to, to get him, and he's going to die, he says, I, I'm going to do you a favor. He says, I want you to do me a favor, but in return I'm going to do you a favor. He says, I want you to bury me back in Texas. He had just, they had just gone to Montana. You have to take him all the way back to Texas to bury him. He says, that's, that's your favor for me. My favor for you is to give you that adventure. Take me back to Texas. I'm going to give you a, an adventure for yourself. Inside the bulletin is, are these. We, we sell outside uh, little notebooks that you can have that these flyers go in. You can keep your, your uh, notes on the, 
on the sermons if you want to, so you can refer back to uh, things that you have heard that that uh, the Lord is ministering to your heart about. And and you can put these in your in this notebook that we want to give get you out there. I think there's a cost to it. I mean, we're church; everything costs something, doesn't it? I'm sorry. In this fire is an Acts 2 church, uh, uh, just a pamphlet. It talks about prayer, but on the back it talks about also fasting. I'm going to ask you to fast this week. Now, it might be just a meal. I'm not asking you to fast a whole day if you don't want to. I'm not asking you to do that. And if you don't have health right now, I'm not asking you to fast at all. It's, It's more a heart attitude. But Jesus never commanded us to pray or fast. He assumed that we would do it. It's just an assumption we would fast and pray. What I'd like to ask you to do is to maybe something that you normally like to have and don't have it for a meal. Just to remind yourself that, that, that your trust really isn't in food, it's in the Lord. And on the bottom, there are there are three different things to pray for. One is a spiritual renewal. And you'll note there's, there's verses of Scripture alongside of it. What I would encourage you to do if you fast and you pray is to pray for this, open up your Bible to this place, read it, and say back to the Lord what He is saying to you concerning these verses. I'd like for you to pray for your spiritual renewal. I'd love for you to pray for the salvation of your friends and, and family members. I'd also love for you to pray for this, your church, this place, the Rock Community Church, that, uh, that God would have his way with us, that he would do with us as he so sees it, um, that we would continue to grow if that's his will, and I'm sure it is, but that we would grow deep as well as wide. And I'm just going to ask you to do that, if you would, for, uh, for us as a church and for yourself. It's a... Uh, It's a favor I'm doing for you to do for us, but I'm doing a favor for you in return. You'll be blessed. You'll be blessed. Dear Father, I want to thank you so much for the people of this church. I know I'm supposed to honor you first, Father, but dear Father, you've brought so many wonderful people here. I look around and see faces that I'm familiar with now, and and I I, I honestly can say to you, Father, as you know, I I love these people so much. And I recognize that comes from you, Father. And so we do want to exalt your holy and righteous name. We do want to give you thanks for who you are. We want to praise you, Father. We want to come back here Friday night and see through this video the awesomeness of who you are, the, the majesty of you. Bless, Father God, this day. Bless us as we go from here, wherever you might take us. May we, Father, allow your kingdom to come your will to be done here on earth through us this day as it is in heaven. May we be a blessing to you, Father. In Jesus' precious name, amen. You know, I cannot tell you how much I love you. It's hard to put into words. Thank you so much for being here. I can't believe you listened to me. Thank you for being here. I love you with all my heart. Have a great day.